This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porry and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? I am uh, bored of lockdown <laughs> and I'm, I'm slightly sweaty and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> Go on then. Um, I'm in my house. You are in a, back in our studio. I am. But I'm in my, I'm in my flat. In, in the middle of uh, the beautiful city of Norwich, and I've had to shut the. It's a very humid day. It's Thursday. It's very nice. It's very outside. humid. We were expecting a thunderstorm to clear. It's not happened. What has happened is a man has started shouting outside my window, and it sounds like <laughs> it's. It sounds like it's in from the Sleaford Mods rehearsing. Oh wow! So what, giving what? it a bit of the old. Are you doing everything and all this? And, um, right. and I just, I just, I, I, I can't. He's, he's been effing and jeffing, and I don't really. I do the effing and jeffing on the on this podcast. You do, not, I don't. Not the man. I don't want to be having to bleep out the man from outside your window when I come to exactly. cut this podcast. Uh, I, exactly. I, so. I just went outside for a little bit of air before we came on, and yes. um, there's a there's a, and I am back in the uh, back in the office. I for anyone who's concerned about social distancing, it is not an issue. We have got a huge office. And um, I'm the only one here, so that is not a problem. Uh, but I was just outside taking in the sun, and uh, there is a block of flats directly opposite, and they're having a full-on like Cafe Del Mar sort of mambo chilled out Ibiza experience there. So I, I, you're lucky I've come back in. To be honest, it was lovely out there. Amazing. I was, I was enjoying my bottle of San Pell and uh, and listening to some Ibiza tunes, and it made me think. You know what? Next year I might do one of those. I might do a clubbing holiday because they do them for middle middle aged people now, don't they? They do, yes, they they do. Um, well, that, that's that's this is very exciting. 
Oh, I think um, so. Yeah, I'd love to get back to the White Isle. Yeah, it's been um, it's been an exciting week, hasn't it? Uh, what for, for for you personally, or for me personally, or more generally? Well, for in in the in a political sense. Oh well, I tell you what. We'll I get mean, to we've that. had the shock news that Boris Johnson is not going to be investigated. Um, over his links with Jennifer Arcuri. Yes, I, I, I just saw the, a picture of them both as I, as I came in, so I'm not I'm not fully up to speed with that, but I think that's probably the end of that story, isn't it? Um, I, well, I mean, not the end of the story, because that will rumble on forever, but um, there's something of a line has been drawn under that with this little one-fact update. But we'll get to the news, of course. Um, we will get to the news. And I, I do, again, I know I bang on about this, but I do have to reiterate the fact that if you were only getting your news from us, which we encourage during peacetime, I do um, uh, implore you to to tune into the daily briefings. You could be still in lockdown while everyone else is down the pub. I do keep warning people about this, so don't just come to us. Log on to the New European website, um, pick up the paper. Um, maybe even just, I don't know, turn on, turn on some uh, MSN. And see what's going on. It's worth doing. It is worth doing. However, if you do only come here for your news, we will get to that very shortly. And of course, a little bit later on, um, we will crown a Brexiteer of the Week. And I think somewhere in the pot, another quiz. These quizzes are going down well, actually, aren't they? People are We've enjoying got another these. quiz. We've um, got a bit of homework for the uh, for the listeners. We well, have, yeah. Which, We've, uh, we're going to reach well, out and I ask... say listener, there's not just one of you. There are... <laughs> well, unless we have a really bad are... week. There are bizarrely there are there are many thousands of you. There really are, uh, and um, it gr- and it grows and grows and 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 um, you know we were, we we've been talking about um, about this podcast and potentially some other podcasts, haven't we? We'll get to that, but like we will. we said this morning, there's nothing more enjoyable than doing this podcast. Um, it, it really is fantastic. So thank you so much for your support. It really does make um, make it all worthwhile, and we enjoy it, and we're we're absolutely delighted that. The majority of you do. Not everyone does, of course, and they, and they don't. They always uh, always let us know on on Twitter. But for those of you who do enjoy it, thank you for sticking with us. We know it can be rambling, but I think that's part of the charm. That's right. Yeah, um, and um, we've been at the centre of controversy this week, of course, as well. Oh well, I think when, we, we we've cleared up a, a, a controversy. Well, we have cleared it up, but I mean, if you want to, if you want to talk the, the listeners through what happened. Um, it began. It began with with. Um, it, 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 he's not the host of another podcast, but he's 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 um, Ian Dunn, the, the fine um, the fine political journalist and chronicler of all things Brexit. Yeah, yeah, we um, are fans of Ian Dunn. This is, this is we no are way, big fans no of one, Ian Dunn. Although there has been some controversy about this, in no way was anyone throwing shade at anyone else. I would like to. Um, no, there was make, no shade thrown. No, very or friendly. Thrown. Friendly, well, or paint thrown. No one's, <laughs> no one's, no one's throwing beer around in these. Uh, to, to drink it, we don't want to don't want to throw it around. But he declared that he'd, he'd come up with an amazing new nickname for Matt Hancock. He did, um, which was Hat Mancock, uh, which definitely has appeared on this pod for at least two years, if not a little bit longer. And I'm pretty sure that actually, I I started referring to Hat. <laughs> to Matt Hancock as Hat Mancock um, in about 2010 after I did an, after did a very long afternoon interview with him. So I I I think perhaps um, Ian is um, he, he's not right. Well, I know he's I know he's not right, but he was ha- he was happy to right. concede. He was happy to concede on this on this alone. He he hasn't come up with this this uh, moniker all by himself. I think perhaps, obviously, he listens to the podcast. I've no, no doubt about that. And I think probably it just seeped into his 
into his um, subconscious. I think probably because, like other listeners, he falls asleep to our dulcet tones. And that's right, yeah. That's what's happened. But what was lovely about it was the very friendly pile-on that occurred of people saying, uh-uh, at Sanglesey and at Porritt have been calling Matt Hancock Cat Mancock for many, many moons now. For many years. And then, and then someone else, I can't remember who it was now, there was another fine journalist. It was Tom who, Chivers, oh, the, uh, was, was he, Tom. who used to be fantastic, uh, a, a great journalist, uh, Tom. Uh, he used to be at BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he said that he, he used it first in February 2018. Now, we can definitely trace it back further than that as well. So, um, we you know, can. We, we 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 jokingly threatened legal action, but you know if if they if they you know if they're up for it, then we will we will win. <laughs> and I would like to remind them that um, the burden of proof in the court of law would be on them. Um, so not Absolutely. only would they lose, they'd have to listen to all our early podcasts to find out. I know, which is it's the fit worse yeah. than death, frankly. So we I would, weren't that good then. I would retreat. So we're not that good now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we are the Hat Mancock originators. We are, and thank you for uh, all your support on, on that on Twitter. Listeners really did um, say, ah, uh-uh, nope, um, yeah. which was very, very heartwarming. Exactly. Do not buy our style <laughs> yes. uh, and all of that. And of course, he's in the, um, he's in the news as well, his old well, Hat, Hat Mancock. Hat Mancock himself is, I mean, I know you like to go on about how much how brilliant Keir Starmer, your your lover, is um, your bequeathed lover. <laughs> well, is. actually, I thought you, I thought he's, I was very excited at the beginning of PMQs. I think he, I think he had his probably worst PMQs this week that he's had so yeah, far. Yeah, Boris Johnson was okay, wasn't he? He did okay, and yeah. it was probably it was. I, I read a ludicrous thing in the Spectator about how Boris Johnson had figured him out. Um, yeah, that's nonsense. Uh, um, which, which was absolutely. Um, it was laughable, but I mean, I think it was probably a draw or a, a points win for Keir Starmer. I would say it was a points win for Keir Starmer because, of course, he he, he got Boris Johnson once again to commit to doing something, didn't yeah, he? Which yeah. is going to be very hard to do. You know, Absolutely. he said, he said, well, you know, this all this this track and uh, track and trace stuff will all be sorted out by June the first, and you know, that's um, and he, he, he did he say two hundred? Would you put a figure on it? Did he say two hundred thousand? I think anyway. it was two hundred thousand. But I think I think um, the thing is with this. All fantastic. I think what what I would like to say is I don't I don't want I actually don't want the government to fail, you know, on on this. No, no, of course, or not. indeed no, anything. No. Um, but Starmer doesn't want the government to fail either. I, I don't. Well, I, don't, I mean, well, I think he, he might do. But probably does secretly. But I mean, you know, as a as yeah. a nation, certainly on on this, certainly on this element, we need the government to succeed so that lives are saved. I mean, this isn't your average normal political kick around of a stuff. This is this is actual people's lives, you know, people actually, life or death stuff. So yes. it is very important that the government succeeds. And I, and I think that Keir, I think Keir Stammer's been superb since he started. Um, yes, all right, oh, this, this PMQ. Get a room with him then. <laughs> He's not replying to my text message. <laughs> is he not? I, I, even, I even left Who him a voicemail. Your girl, does your girlfriend know about your love for Keir Stammer? Yes. <laughs> She does know, and, and she's she cool goes, with it. Well, the thing, the, the story that I often tell about Keir Starmer and why I like him was that after after many, many, well, a good couple of years of not seeing him and being in a very different situation, when, when I actually met and first did a little, only a little bit of work, you know, I'm going to play this up, only a little bit of work with Keir, way back in about 2012, 13, I think it was, um, he, uh, he, that work ended and then and then sort of two years later um 
or you know, it would have been it would have been two thousand. It would have been quite a few years later. It would have been 2016, probably, at Labour Party conference. Um, he, I interviewed him, and he, and I could see him sort of looking and thinking, oh, I recognise this handsome fellow Smiths fan. And um, yeah. and then after the interview finished, he went, I know you, it's Richard, isn't it? And I was just bowled over that the chap had even remembered my name. you know. So I tell that story quite a lot. And whenever Keir Starmer comes up, um, she always says, Oh God, yes, he remembered your name, you know. So I, I mean, I did have a name tag on, um, so maybe you can just read. I'm not sure, um, but yes, the, the the love for Keir Starmer is um, is something that I get very, you know, I do get teased about. So it's not just you that teases me Good. about it. But I'm I, glad. I'm glad it's not just me. But you know what? Well, if, he... if he'd come in and done a terrible job, um, and we were sort of semi-critical about some of his shadow cabinet choices, you know, I'm not we just... Were. I ain't just going to tell the Keir Starmer line. If he's not up to it, he's not up to it. So far, I think he's doing a really good job. I think... He's doing a good... He is doing a very good job. But what, um, I, would, what I would say is, and we're a little bit off already off script here, aren't we? But what I would say is, um, and the, the cover of the um, New European this week and the story inside, really good on Keir Starmer are well worth picking up and, uh, and having a read. Um, but what I would say is that he's, he, I think probably he appears even better than he is because he's doing competent opposition, which has been he so is, sadly yeah. lacking for such a long time. Um, so, you know, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he had a great act to follow. It wasn't like he had really uh, big shoes to fill. Um, but I, I've, you know, I've got a lot of hope that Keir Starmer is going to be a very sensible Labour leader, um, and 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 very forensic in his uh, in, in his criticism and also in in the way that he looks at government policy. And I think that's what he does best, and that is absolutely what a Boris Johnson-led government needs um, from from an opposition that's party. Right. And I think now, that his opposition and his um, you know, and clearly Boris is is rattled in PMQs. We, you know, we heard about this expletive that was uh, that was yeah. spoken after PMQs a week last Wednesday, and um, and there were times when he got prodded in the ribs again this week, and he looked all at sea. So yes, he was a bit better this week, but by no means a good performance by Boris. And I think that he knows that he's going to have to get better now that he's got um, a, a formidable yeah. opponent across the dispatch box from him. He is, but they were going. I mean, they were about to pretend that he had. Done a mass, uh, delivered a masterful performance, which I think the, the spectator thing, uh, Guido Fawkes uh, was uh, tweeting about how poor Keir Starmer had been, which of course he wasn't. Spectator saying that Boris Johnson had been wonderful, but it, what was really memorable from that podcast? Uh, from that podcast, goodness, are they doing oh, it on a yeah. podcast now? That's a great they idea. Do it on a podcast, <laughs> we, we don't need any more competition. Um, from that PMQs, rather was. Um, was was Hat Mancock having a little spat with um, with uh, the speaker Lindsay Hoyle and, and well, obviously everybody great. thought that now Burko is gone, yeah, and he, he used to tell people off of jontering from a sedentary position. And yeah, all of that, that was his catchphrase, and, <laughs> and people thought, well, Lindsay Hoyle, despite being a Labour man, is sort of you know he he he, he um, he's, he's sort of more friendly to the government than than John Burko was, but there he was ticking him off. Yeah, and, and rightly so. He, and and I also, I'm, what I'm, did he actually say to Keir Starmer? Do we know? No, I'm not entirely sure. But the, I, I think in a normal um, in a, in a normal uh, PMQ session where the House would be f- where the Commons sorry would be full, 
um, where the chamber would be full. I don't think that that would have been brought up. I think the fa- I think that it was it was overheard by the speaker, and the speaker probably mm. realised that it may have been picked up by the um, by, by 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 the microphone. I don't think it was anything. I mean, obviously, he wasn't asked to withdraw a comment or anything. It wasn't anything like that. So, no. I think it was just normal run of the mill stuff, which at this time probably is is frowned upon a bit more. Um, but yes, it was a very stinging rebuke, and and I I was I'm pleased with Hoyle for the last couple of weeks because I like the fact that he also brought up um, before Boris Johnson made his catastrophic announcement to the nation um, a couple of Sundays ago. Um, you know, I thought it was right that Lindsay Hall said, you know, in normal circumstances, this should really come before the House before it is. I don't think he was in a position to argue that that the Prime Minister couldn't do it, but I think the fact that he brought it up was a, was good. Um, and then, you know, he, he very much put Matt Hancock in his place, didn't he, on uh, on Wednesday afternoon? Well, he did. He, I mean, Matt Hancock, I, are you not supposed to talk when other shout when other people are talking? Because clearly people do do that, don't they? But he, he shouted something while Keir Starmer was talking. He said, uh, down with then, this sort of thing. Then was, and then Lindsay Hoyle sort of said, if you know, the health secretary knows better than that. And he said something else, didn't he? He replied to Lindsay Hoyle. And then Lindsay Hoyle said, do you, sorry, do you want to leave the chamber? We're yeah. at maximum numbers. If you want to let somebody else in, I'm happy to see you go, basically. I think what we've seen and what we're seeing from, <clears throat> from Hatman Cook is uh, he's rattled. And he is, he's he, under he, pressure he, and he's, he's feeling he's, it. He's really feeling it and he's, and he's, and he's floundering a little bit. And um, I always had pretty high hopes for Matt Hancock. Um, and I think in normal times, perhaps he would have um, been, been seen as more of a, of, a, of a better health secretary than this. I think what he isn't clearly very good at is managing a crisis. Now, the problem is that... The, the, you know the the NHS and the health service sort of tends to go from one crisis to another, whether it's the winter crisis or it's a, you know, it, it is workers quite rightly asking for pay rises, etc. It is a, it is a very difficult job being the minister of health, and and I think what we mm. what we've found out is he's probably not up to it, even in even in normal times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I honestly think that he's he's not having a good war, and I think come the end of it. Um, it will be the end of any ambitions he had, and I think he did hold ambitions to be to be prime minister one day. And he's only a very young man still. I mean, very young, in fact. He's only a little bit older than me, so very, very young. Um, and so I think that is that is gone now. That is out the window. I still think he'll have a, a perfectly good ministerial career for for you know however long the Tories are in. I still think he'll be there or thereabouts. But perhaps um, I don't know. Maybe Northern Ireland beckons. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's pretty difficult, isn't it, um, uh, to see where he's going to go from. I mean, this this sort of test, trace, and isolate thing um, is uh, is yet another uh, poison chalice. We were already, I mean, the, the the app, which you know, Matt Hancock is known for his app. Oh, he is. Yeah, Matt Hancock he, wants he, to view your pictures. He, exactly. <laughs> he, he set up his own app. He's, he's, he and his family, have, you know, have a technology company, didn't they? Or still do have a yeah, yeah, well, Matt, Matt Hancock's father, this is one of my favourite um, facts about Hat Hancock. His father invented the coding or whatever behind, you know, if you put your, and it's um, ubiquitous now, but you put your uh, postcode in and it brings up your whole address. Oh, um, he invented that? Yeah, he, he, came, he came up with that. So they're, cl- they're clearly, you know, clearly bright people who've, um, and I think they 
you know, I think the that was it was he's a self made man as far as I'm aware, um, Matt Hancock's dad and, and and I'm not sure of his mother's involvement, but I think the family were all involved in this tech firm. Self made um, man cock, I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> self made man cock, yeah. Um so so yeah, he was I I I don't know if you've seen it, but I happened upon a brilliant video of him trying is it parkour, I think you call it? My son yeah. is a fan of this, he watches it on YouTube. And sort of jumping around the city streets with his white socks on and his black jeans. Have you seen this? Marvellous. It is absolutely stunning. You've got to dig it out. It's all over Twitter. It's been shared again recently, but absolutely fantastic. Stuff. Is it Casino Royale? Does that start in yeah. or is it <laughs> no. or is it Quantum of Solace? Yeah, not not quite not quite like that. Not quite like that. Yes. Um, we are in, in tribute to Hatmancock. We are going to have a little quiz about people who ha- have actually been thrown out of the House of Commons or been threatened to to, to be thrown out of the Ooh. House of Commons. Have you ever been thrown um, out of the House of Commons? Uh, well, I was not allowed to go into the House of Commons uh, um, uh, gal- uh, gallery because I didn't have a tie on the last time I went there. Ah, they seem um, to have changed that now. You, can, you don't uh, have to wear they, a tie. They have now. changed that, yeah. They have changed. Um, but I didn't have a tie with me, so I couldn't go. I, they I do, couldn't go in, in the gallery, they do have some jackets that have been left behind throughout the ages yeah, that you so can I had pop a, off. I had a, I had a, um, a jacket from 1860. I had a jacket, from 1860. <laughs> I had a jacket but, they, but all the ties were uh, all the ties had gone out, so I couldn't go in. Um, Another interesting fact about the Houses of Parliament in, in the, so if you're a lobby journalist and you're allowed in the, in to sort of interview. MPs in the lobby. Now, all that's got anonymous, so the agreement is that the, if you speak to someone there, you can't name them. So a lot of that stuff where you'll see a you know, senior Tory or whatever happens in the lobby. Yeah. But you've got to, to to prove that you're not taking notes, you have to put your, as a journalist, you have to put your hands in your pockets. Um, Brilliant. Which is all well and good, apart from a lot of young ladies, of course, especially in the summer when it's very hot. Um, don't necessarily have any pockets. So you often see these sort of uh, female lobby hacks with skiing jackets on just so they can put their hands in their pockets when they're down the lobby so they can get their stories. Very odd. It's a very odd place to work, the House of Commons. Very strange. What a strange place. Antiquated, well, I mean, stupid they're rules. All, they are coming back, 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 aren't they? And I, They are. They're, they're coming back on June the 2nd. It's, it's, that is because it, it's totally safe to return and not at all because Jacob Rees-Mogg wants people to be able to Keir yeah, Minister's yeah. We're, we're only allowed in um, we're only allowed in garden centres, but MPs are allowed uh, in in the House of Commons. Go figure that one out. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many people are allowed in at one point uh, at one time. Is it still going to be fifty? I think it is. So there, there's not going to be that many of them to, to to boost. Slightly more than there are now. Yeah. But but I love the fact that Jacob Rees Mogg wanted people to. Um, he wanted to put in plastic screens, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. In, on all the benches, and, and then people would sit behind the benches. And there was a suggestion in one of the papers um, that he actually wanted to install sort of plastic. People would sit in individual seats with with um, plastic screens in front of them, but then screens between them as well, and, and be in a sort of perspex box, a bit like a bit like um, what was it, Adolf Eichmann in his. Um, in his um, trial in um, in, in um, Tel Aviv, um, and, and I don't think that is going to happen. I know, but oh um, God, I wish because you would all you would hear is like um, it'd all be muffled, wouldn't it? Because it'd be behind these plastic containers. I mean, um, 
and it would and it would be brilliant for Kia to be able to say, "Oh, I think the right honourable member for Southwest Suffolk should get back in his box." Uh, <laughs> it would be incredible, wouldn't it? And I would mean, they steam up? Would they steam up? <laughs> It's like when they it's like when they introduce fencing in football, isn't it? And um, you know, I, I, I would love to see some of this. And they would, you know, they'd be at PMQs. They could instead of waving their order papers, they could sort of bang on their plastic screens, couldn't they? And all that. And maybe the the richer Tories could. Do you remember during the the miners' strike, there were all these tales of that that the police would would stick money, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, twenty pound yeah. notes on their on their plastic screen, behind yeah. their plastic screens and talk the miners with them. And maybe yeah. the richer members of M- MPs would do that, you know, on the Tory side. They'd stick like, you know, 50 quid notes on there and go, oh, I've got loads of money, mate. Um, you decorate their com- pods. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And if they were completely screened in, you, you could you could turn the, the sort of the centre, the, the central bit where the Prime Minister's stand, where the... the, the, the the front benches go. You could you could ice that over and just have it like an ice hockey ring, <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Starmer, Starmer and Boris could yeah they could exactly. have a massive they rook. A, they could drop their what do they do? They drop their they drop their sort of gauntlets, don't they? And um, occasionally have a big packer. Yeah, so yeah. it's great. Yeah, it is quite safe um, the fighting in ice hockey because they you've got helmets on and very thick pads, haven't they? So yeah, that's right. Mm. Mm. That's well, right. I mean, well, I would, so, I would be up for that. So I don't definitely. know. Are they are they going to introduce screens, or are they just going to, uh, or, or you know, it's like I nurse I, the I screens, mean, isn't it? I think, um, I think it will be social distancing. But what I will say, and um, you know, I, I've never worked for any great long period of time in the in the Palace of Westminster. But what I will say is, it's going to be very tricky to go down some of those corridors and and be social distancing because. You know, it's a war in that place, and there is lots of very tight staircases, and um, you know, it, and it's packed. It's packed full, and even if it only had six hundred and fifty members, it's still going to be very difficult to do. Um, but I imagine those guys were bringing all their aids and everything back with them as well. It just sounds like, and I can just see in two or three months' time there being an outbreak of coronavirus amongst our MPs. Yes, exactly. You know, it, it, I mean, I, I I just think that they are. Um, well, I think they, they are going back because very soon... Um, well, they, I think they're going back for two reasons, aren't they? I think, one, there is a lot of truth in, in the idea that Jacob Rees-Mogg um, dismissed it in extremely patronising terms on um, on Wednesday, just after Prime Minister's questions. Um, and, then that, and, and it is that they want to turn the Commons back into, a, if not a bear pit, then uh, at least a sort of teddy bear pit and give rough Keir Starmer up a bit because he is um, he is um, taking Boris Johnson apart um, at these PMQs. But also because, you know, they know that they've seen from the schools thing, that they're seeing from other things, that people are genuinely worried about returning to work um, and that in a couple of weeks' time they are going to tell more people to return to work and they're going to open more shops and encourage people to go out and mingle even more and people are nervous about this. And, and if, if they are not there in the Palace of Westminster working away, people are rightly going to say, well, why should I return to work and, and go out more and put more money into the economy when you can't even be bothered to do it? Um, 
So, um, well, I think yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, Rees-Mogg didn't he said that it's, it gives an it shows it, it's a good example. I'm not sure it's a good example actually. No, I think it's a bad example, um, and I think it's another example of of mixed messaging. Well, I think you I think you're right, but I think we are very much moving towards a situation where you know <clears throat> they they have to unlock things and um and um you know and the consequences almost be damned really. Um I was going to say before we move on to talking about the EU which we which, which we should do because we should absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. There, um I was going to say that Whatever you know, whatever dealings Boris Johnson and Jennifer Arcuri did have, they uh, she certainly didn't teach him much about technology because one of the, my favourite things of last uh, over the last week and, and the, the weekend, and we didn't talk about it last week because we'd already recorded the podcast, was that on Friday night they had a vir- he had a virtual meeting of the 1922 committee. Boris Johnson addressed it. It was on Zoom. A hundred Tories dialed in. No one could hear what he was saying. Um, it didn't work. And my favourite quote of, of the whole of last week was the unnamed MP who told the Times, I've had better Zoom calls with my family when everyone is pissed. So, uh, so, that, so maybe that's why. Well, I mean, if it was 1922, to... probably quite a few of them uh, had had a tipple anyway. So, <laughs> Well, imagine them sweating it up in a Perspex box. I mean, some of them, that'd be it, wouldn't it? Because it's quite hot in there. Oh, isn't it? the best of fun. Yeah. Imagine Sir Edward Lee. Yeah, wow. I mean, his, imagine his little face. Yeah. Now tell me about the um, tell me about what's happened with the uh, with the EU this week because it seems to me that we have sent them a fairly snotty letter. Michel Barnier has um, has replied in snooty terms, and it is all is this a is this a phony war? Are they actually negotiating behind the scenes, or is this just think, genuine? No, I, I, I think there will be an element of stuff going on behind the scenes but i do, but i'm not um this is not good news i mean i do, i i think that I, I i don't think either side are winning or either side are covering themselves in particularly in, in well certainly they're not certainly we're not um you know I, I don't speak as 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 critically towards the eu perhaps but i don't think anyone here is is covering themselves in glory and i think i think what we've got again is the uk Stamping its feet and throwing its toys out of the cot and saying, you know, do, do, it's kind of that thing, isn't it? It's a bit like, do you do you know who I am? You know, it's a, and and frankly, yes, you do, and frankly, then ain't going to budge, and and why should they? You know, it was our decision to leave. Some of the consequences have got to be have got to come to this country. Very sadly for all us who didn't want those consequences, but we are going to have to live with them, and. Um, and and simply demanding and going off in a strop uh, is is not how sensible adults negotiate anything. Um, and now is not the time to be doing this. You know, we, you ever can you believe? It still feels like March to me because everything seemed to go on hold, didn't it? Yeah. But if you look outside, it's very much not March anymore. You know, it, we're we're nearly into June. We're nearly halfway through this year, and which means, and from what I can tell. A lot of these negotiations have been stunted by the progress has been stunted by coronavirus, absolutely understandably, um, and it's extraordinary that we're not asking for an extension. And I still hold out the hope that that will happen. And I know there's some movement on the leave side from that to happen as well. But it, it does feel like there is. Um, 
I think that the UK is enjoying this not being the top of the pops when it comes to the sixes and the tens on the news and the front page of the paper because there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, because I think there would be a larger outcry if, if you know, I think there'd be a larger outcry and a, and, and a lot more fear about us leaving on WTO, etc. cetera, um, come December the 31st. Um, than there is because people have got even more real things to to worry about, of course, that are a bit more um, present. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the letter was, uh, uh, you know, the the back and forth seems to be just a bit childish, really. I would suggest, and I, and I don't know really where we where we go from here. I hope, like you suggested, that behind this this is a phony war, and behind the scenes there's other stuff going on, and maybe the more sensible heads are doing it quietly by themselves. Um, but it yeah. really is in everyone's, um, uh, it, it, you know, it's better for everyone if we can get to an agreement with the EU. It's better for the EU and it's better for the UK. And I think, actually, the majority of people know that. But I do wonder if there is some leaning politically to to try and beat up on the EU and, and, and just be, um, you know, f- flex what muscles we we may perceive we have um, in order to in order for the government to look good and look like they're driving a hard bargain. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, that's my. Thought. I mean, uh, they the, the thrust of David Frost's letter, which is fairly um, is fairly insulting, and, and Michelle Barnier has replied, you know, a letter is not the right place to negotiate. I don't. I would not like the tone of your letter to. Um, impact on our chances. I mean, David Frost's letter, it's worth saying, is, is, is in such, um, is, is written in such terms that people like Richard Tice and Michael Heaver, who's, uh, uh, who was Michael Heaver a Brexit Party MEP or, or did he fail to be one? But he's, he's a, you know, a journalist who yeah. hovers around that, that, that kind of thing. Um, um, there are, uh, Michael Heaver said the David, the David Frost letter to Michelle Barnier really is class. Um, which is um, which is what it isn't. I mean, David Frost is essentially saying, "Why can't you give us this, exactly the same deal that you were given to places like Canada?" Yeah. Um, uh, and um, the EU are responding. Well, Canada is not on our doorstep, and Canada does not want access to our single market, but is then proposing to undercut our sort of you know, society model, our environment model, you know, by introducing, uh, well, potentially being a place that can produce things uh, a whole lot cheaper because, um, you know, they, they, they will drop, um, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of time directives and the um, environmental directives that govern EU produce. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that is... That's fairly fundamental, um, and it just it just makes the the, the notion of no deal even more uh, even more likely, doesn't it? I, I'm, sadly, I think I think it does, um, and I just I I, I despair. I, I really do. I I think that it was a it was a crappy letter. Um, if I'd have been Barney, I probably wouldn't responded at all. I would have just said, you know, I I would have just stood back and. And said, "I'm not. I'm not responding to this. I'm going to do my negotiations behind closed doors." Um, but you know, but that's not a criticism of him. I, I, I just, I think the whole thing is a is is a, a mess already, and I think it's going to be an even bigger mess come this time next year. And I think, it, I think that is when, hopefully, by that point, I don't know. There is there is some kind of 
normality. Um, but my, you know, with, with everything else that's going on, but I, I do think that there's going to be a dawn. You know, 2021 might be the year when it finally dawns on the majority of the UK public how, um, you know, what 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 a, what a great deal we had with the EU before, and actually that the you know we didn't like the not we lots of people didn't like the the um, concessions, the new arrangement that David Cameron came back with. Uh, if they didn't like that, what we're going to get, whatever we get, is going to be a lot worse than that. And I think it will, su- it will suddenly start to dawn on people, especially at a time when we're going to be desperately trying to get our economy back on its feet. And I listen, I'm desperate for the economy to, to be, um, you know, it's something that I actually worry about. And, um, it, and I'm desperate for it to bounce back as quickly as possible. Um, playing hardball with the EU, I do do not think that that is the best way for us for our economy to recover post um, post COVID nineteen. So you know mm. we're, we're not just shooting ourselves in one foot; we're shooting ourselves in the other, and then holding the gun to our heads. We really are, and, and we are. You know, I mean, and there's a lot of talk that after the next round of negotiations, which start on June the first, and of course we've only got until June the thirtieth to agree an extension, if there is going to be an extension. Um, that Boris Johnson is going to get involved again, that he's going to try and yeah. um, drive a hard bargain and all of this. It's worth saying that our fallback position, of course, is the WTO. Now, the head of the WTO has resigned, and the WTO, and there are 164 countries in the WTO, has not produced any major trade agreement since, nine, since I was going to say 1915. It's 2015. <laughs> it's five years. Not 105 years. But it's not a great record, is it, for, for a, a, a trading organisation? It's not, it's so, not a great record. What I would say, and I, I think that if, if Britain was suddenly in that, in that group, I think that we probably would have the, the clout to shake things up a bit. And but, mm. but that said, that is, you know, a... It's just it, it 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 would be hugely detrimental to everyone. You know, we, we really don't need to go any further than that. Trading on WTO rules is not the best place for this country, especially not after the greatest economic shock perhaps in three hundred years. Certainly, in anyone's living memory, um, it, it is it's not the right starting place. And I'm pretty sure Rishi Sunak behind closed doors would agree with me. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think you're, you are absolutely correct there. Um, shall we talk about, uh, I mean, is this a, an unforced error by the government? And, um, you know, the, I mean, the, the Brexit thing takes over um, and looks like it, it will come to, to a head. But, but right now, there, we've had the second reading of the immigration bill. Yeah. And, and people are, at the same time, people are focused on this idea that, there is a surcharge for migrant care workers uh, coming from outside the, the European economic area. Um, so people who work in our NHS, uh, including some of the people who saved Boris Johnson's life, um, at the moment they have to pay £400 a year to, to work here, and that's going to go up to £624 in October. And Keir Starmer asked Boris Johnson about this. Boris Johnson said he couldn't change it because... It raises nine hundred million pounds for us every year for, for for the economy every year, and at the moment we need all the nine hundred million pounds we can get. Um, that is seventy hours. Uh, by the way, six hundred twenty-four quid is seventy hours work for an NHS care worker. 
um, to pay £624. But by the by, so Boris Johnson said, well, we need the 900 million quid. Labour came back and said, well, those figures don't add up. Um, the amount that is, is taken in in these surcharges is, is nearer to 450 million. And now we've got Roger Gale, who is a Conservative MP, isn't he, from Thanet, who is saying, yeah, I've worked it out, it's actually nearer 50 million. And we should um, we should waive the, the, these health charges um, in the NHS and, and social care altogether. I mean, what is what on earth is going on there? I mean, firstly, I'm not really that interested in the in the in how much it raises in, in the maths of it. Um, I think this is about something a bit more important than that. The, the one figure I am v- very interested in is the truly shocking figure that um, you know, and I'm. I am, and I'm, I'm sure you. I'm sure you would also put your hand up to this, Steve. You know, we're, we're comfortably middle class, um, and uh, uh, but um, imagine having to work seventy hours for that. I mean, it's a shockingly low wage, and then we're asking, and and they're doing so. They're, I mean, surely they're putting enough into the health service by simply working there and taking such a low wage, and then we take that back i mean 70 that's two weeks work for uh, they may be working longer hours but that's they basically got to work the first two weeks of the year for free in order to pay the organization they're working to make sure it is in good shape i mean it's ludicrous it's absolutely ludicrous and yes i have sympathy um with the uh with the fact that we have to fund the nhs and we have to find ways to fund it um, I'm not sure taking that 900 million, 50 million, however much it is, from the very lowest paid people, not just in the NHS but in society, and and also people who work for the NHS to fund, you know, to 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 uh, to, um, to to bridge that gap, that funding gap, take it from them, is a, is disgusting, frankly. I mean, you know, uh, adding 0.01 tax to the richest ten um, percent in the country wouldn't they wouldn't feel it, and that would more than plug this gap. So mm. the, it is once again. And listen, this is not me kicking Tories. It's not that at all because government after government have failed on this. The lowest paid um, people in the NHS service are doing the shittiest jobs, and um, and then the kick up the arse that they also have to give money to the NHS simply because they weren't lucky enough to be born in this glorious country um, is just disgusting. And I really thought that after Boris Johnson made those very nice statements after he came out of hospital about the people who'd given him, uh, who'd cared for him, and made and very clearly made a point that they were not from the UK, didn't mm. he? Um, yes, he that, did. That things like this may have stuck in his memory a bit longer than they have um, I think yeah. that this is a, this is an open goal missed for the government because do you know what? It would have been pretty easy to knock on number eleven b- before PMQs and go. We need to find that money from somewhere else, Rishi, because I know this is going to come up. And then go in and and when Kia said what, well, he could have gone. Do you know what? I've looked at it and you're absolutely right. And that's why this government is going to make sure that those people are not paying that. Four hundred or six hundred quid, would, or whatever. I, I've it is. got to say, I was abs- I, I thought exactly the same as you, and I was absolutely stunned when he said we we, we need the nine hundred million quid. Ridiculous, just um, ludicrous. Honestly, absolutely ludicrous. 
that, um, I mean, that they would the ignore. Other such an open the, goal, such an open goal. Exactly. Miss. It's a, I mean, it's an open goal, isn't it? And it, and and it's just a, an, another unforced error, really. And yeah, um, yeah. and it's the right thing um, to do. I mean, it's also the also well, the you know right we, thing, we talk it? about sometimes. I think we. You know, commentators. Are we commentators? I'm not sure. We get. You know, we we take the the politics and look at that first, and forget about the humans behind it. The right thing to do for these humans who are working all the hours they can in order to look after families, to simply look after themselves on ludicrously small wages, um, is that they don't have to pay it. But also, from a messaging point of view and from a political standpoint, we're outside clapping the NHS every Thursday. Um, you know, including Boris Johnson, that's going to be a difficult one for him exactly. to do this week, isn't it? And and then we're saying, uh, yeah, you, you know, I mean, even if they said, all right, we need to raise this money from within the NHS. Well, what about every middle manager who's on seventy five grand plus? How about they put you know put their hand in their pocket a little bit? Who were born here? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't back that. I think that would be silly as well. But why are we picking on the cleaners? Why are we picking on the people who who are doing their very best to make sure these hospitals are clean and safe? Um, or you know, they, I hate the phrase unskilled workers because I tell you what, I couldn't clean a bloody hospital. So. I'm not going to use that phrase, but the people who traditionally have got lower pay, you know, have got lower paid jobs. Why are we picking on these people to raise this money? And uh, actually, it says not just something about the NHS, but about wider society. Um, and that is what, if this is truly a one nation um, conservative government, and I'm not sure there's ever been a true one nation in the way they like to think of what one nation means, conservative government. But this, if this is one, and he used that phrase in PMQs, then they wouldn't be charging. Um, those people yeah. who are working all the hours God sends, often unsociable hours, um, in sure order right. to make sure that our NHS survives. So, you know, fairly disgusting, frankly. I mean, on the lighter side of this week, and the lighter side of the, the immigration bill, if there, if there can be one, and of course it passed its second reading and um, uh, and continues its awful progress, um, Pretty Patel chose to launch this the second reading of this immigration bill with with a new slogan i mean the government have got some poor sloganeering at the moment and her, <laughs> this is her, her, her slogan <laughs> the slogan she chose was we're ending free movement to open up britain to the world fantastic um which is which is pure orwell isn't it it's pure war is peace freedom is slavery ignorance is strength it's brilliant and um, you know what i liked i think if she and she will um, runs for for next leader of the Tory party. I'm sure she will because she's she has got no clue. Very ambitious, isn't she? But yeah. also no clue uh, about yeah. the lack of her abilities. Um, she, <laughs> she, she's she has got a very tin ear when it comes to that kind of thing. I am. I think her campaign slogan should be: um, "If you want a vision of Britain's future, imagine Pretty Patel's stiletto heel stamping on a baby's face." <laughs> Forever, forever. Uh, it, I mean, she should really have just said it should have been. We're ending uh, free movement to open me up to ridicule, or um, or you know, I mean, we're or we're ending free movement to open up the chance of me starring in a Terminator franchise installment <laughs> in which I go back in time and stop myself becoming Home Secretary because my parents won't be able to come here in the first place. Because, of course, her legislation, her mum and dad came from Uganda. They didn't come in 1972 when Idi Amin kicked out all the the, 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 um, the, the Asian Ugandans. That's right. uh, he, she came, they came before that, um, and they wouldn't have passed. 
and, no. um, and then I we would, could I say, would... you know, then then we could, uh, then you know, then then Pretty could say, uh, now I know why you cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was stunned by the the the, the YouGov uh, poll, by the way, of, of rating popularity ratings of members of senior members of the government. Did you see this? Yes, I Rishi Sunak yeah. plus thirty five. Boris Johnson plus seven, Matt Hancock minus one. Uh, I think somebody else was minus seven. I can't quite remember who that is now. Uh, who would that be? A Rob, I think, is minus seven, and Pretty Patel is underwater on minus thirty-four. Well, I'm People not surprised. Not like Pretty Patel, they don't, they don't, and she's not. She's a difficult character to warm to, frankly. On um, on 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 telly, she actually comes across much better in person. If you interview right. her in person, she is actually um, more human. But I think uh, I think the fact that I, I think there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on with Pretty, and she's she feels because she did come from you know it, 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 to be fair to her, she has come from pretty um, ordinary background, and she's done very well for yeah. you know for for an Asian woman. She's done. I don't agree with her or anything, but clearly there is some you know we make fun of her lack of talent. So there clearly is something um, there with the woman, but. Um, but so I, I get the feeling that she puts on this kind of front when the cameras are rolling, and she's got to be this sort of hard nosed. I um, mean, you know, she's a big th- fan of Thatcher, and I almost feel like she, you know, she's got sort of Margaret Thatcher on her shoulder in her imagination, sort of speaking in her ear, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that is that is sort of my 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 feeling with. Uh, with Pretty Patel, but she's not doing a good job. So I'm not surprised that the public don't like her. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that Matt Hancock's only minus Wharton, frankly, because I, know, I think he's incredible. got probably the, the worst kicking out of everyone, um, understandably and rightly, um, during this. Yeah. I think Boris's rating is probably just fading away because there was still some sympathy that the poor poor chap was ill. Um, Rishi Sunak, of course, you know, I think he's having a good... A, a, a good period, but then when you come out and dish money out, it's easy to be liked. You know, if I if I want to get on the right side of my kids, I slip my tenor. You know, that's the sort of way of doing it. I mean, it's interesting, and I'll mention um, a listener got in touch, uh, Matt Keane, who is runs a limited oh, yes, company, and um, and I would, it, check out my Twitter because I shared a video that he's produced, um, and I think there are gaps. You know, he what he's saying is that he. he um, and his partner, I believe, have, have, have got a very small limited company. It's not like these, you know, just because you've got a limited company, you could be the window cleaner. You know, it doesn't mean that you've got some multinational firm that's, you know, and you're rolling in money by any means. Um, so, you know, there has been, there are some cracks, um, and, it, and it, is, it is right that those cracks are pointed out where people, that people are slipping through. Um, I mean, on the whole, I think Rishi and Number 11 have done a really good job, and I think that... Um, you know, f- um, the fiscal um, in- intervention. Uh, the-, the fiscal interventions have been have been roundly applauded by by everyone. But but it is worth noting that there are people who are slipping through those cracks. Um, and you know, I think the government needs to find a way um, to to help out perhaps those smaller firms or those um, those sole operators and limited companies that maybe have been overlooked. So ch- anyway, check out Matt, um, Matt, I think it's Matt underscore Keen. It's, um, double E N, um, uh, his Twitter account because there's, you know, there's a little bit of a, a groundswell of a campaign there, which, um, you know, which I think has got some merit. Good. Yes. I think, I think it is. I mean, my, um, my, uh, lovely partner who I talk about on this podcast a lot, 
Um, Joe, uh, buy the, the, the lovely Joe, <laughs> and uh, she is she and, and her, her business partner are in the in a similar boat to Matt and many other people. Um, I'm going to ask you some quiz questions now, and then we're going yes. to ask something of the of the readers. What yeah. you think about? Well, or, or listeners, I suppose they would have uh, probably read not, the title. Um, where am, what am I on today? I'm well, I think probably. Listen, Boris Johnson's doing a podcast. Don't People beat yourself are up. This podcast. Don't beat yourself up, Steve. It's difficult times for us all. Um, I'm very sweaty. I've got to say, <laughs> it's, I'm sweating up a storm in here. Well, it's quite warm in the in the studio, to be honest. But I, I'm it, a big yeah. snood wearer. Well, you are. You like a snood. I did, and I came, I've come out. I came out yesterday morning in my snood. I came out this morning in my snood. I've had to remove my snood on both occasions. Um, I can't get my head around the fact that it's almost summer because I haven't done usually. Usually, I sort of see the seasons change from from the pub garden, you know, and I've not had the chance to mm. do that. Um, so I still, I'm still wearing a jacket, and you know, I'm I'm get still with the program. In, I'm in shorts. Yeah, well, you have been shorts for weeks. And a stereo lab t-shirt. Yeah, and it's a very cool stereo lab t-shirt. Yeah, we, I tell you what, we should do. We, I haven't talked. We haven't talked about our. Um, our our sort of cultural recommendations for the week, have oh, we? Oh, should we talk about well, our let's, cultural let's recommendations? Do, let's do that. Well, let's do these quiz questions first. All right, let's do the quiz questions first. Cool. And then you can have a little think, and then we can talk about we can talk about the exciting thing that we want the readers the readers. I'm right. It again. <laughs> I don't learn. I'm, I'm an old. I'm an old man. You are. Uh, the quiz questions. Then these are all quiz questions about uh, people who've been thrown out of the House of Commons or been threatened with being thrown out of the House of Commons in tribute to. Pat Mancock, who yep. was ticked off by losing to Good morning. Uh, question one. In 2005, Dennis Skinner was thrown out of the House of Commons. Uh, I think he was thrown out of the House of Commons on ten separate occasions. Wow. But in 2005, he was thrown out of the House of Commons for saying the only thing growing under the Tories in the 1980s was what? Yeah. Question two is a multiple choice question. In 1992, Dennis Skinner was also thrown out of the House of Commons because he called John Selwyn Gummer what? Choice A is the cat on Thatcher's broom. Choice B <laughs> is the boil on Thatcher's bum. Ugh. And choice C is the wart on Thatcher's nose. All right. Question three, Benjamin Disraeli once said, heart in the Commons... He said half the cabinet are asses. Uh, and he was asked to um, withdraw his allegation that half the cabinet are asses or face expulsion. Love what it. did he say when he was asked to withdraw? Love it. Question four. What links John McDonnell, Michael Heseltine, Ron Brown and Lloyd Russell Moyle? Sorry, who? Uh, who was the third one? Who was the third one? Ron Brown, the old Labour MP. Right, Remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Brown? He was a sort of a, 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 a sort of uh, firebrand, socialist yeah. firebrand of the late eighties and nineties, wasn't the early nineties. Uh, Lloyd Russell Moyle, of course, is MP now, I think. And uh, and finally, back to Skinner for question five. In nineteen eighty four, he was asked to withdraw the phrase "pompous sod," which mm. he'd used about David Owen. Yeah. Uh, all face being thrown out. What happened next? Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay, good. Good so do you questions. want to talk about your recommendations, or do we want to talk about our, our, our homework for the listeners? Well, why don't we do the recommendations first, and that might lead us quite nicely into this. Okay, well, that's homework, great. Yeah. It? Um, so uh, I have I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I've um, ve- I mean the big success of lockdown for me has been the Last Dance. I mean, what a show this is! 
Um, have, you, have you watched the whole thing now? I've not watched the whole thing now. I've only watched a couple. It's even, very, very good. Even if you know um, the outcome, which I presume that's why a fair I've few avoided of you it. Will. It, but it doesn't matter. It's like, um, have you seen Senna, the wonderful uh, documentary it, about yeah, Ayrton Senna? It, it is very much in that in that sphere. I mean, the fact that they, they interview loads of people, um, mainly sort of teammates. So, so this is about the Chicago Bulls, um, you know, incredible um, uh, team of the sort of uh, 90s mainly, but it goes further back into the 80s. And uh, which of course included Michael Jordan and uh, Dennis Rodman and Scotty Pippen, etc. And um, they, uh, but it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter if you do not like basketball. I have watched it with Colonel Kurtz, and no fan of basketball, absolutely in love with it. You know, it's extraordinary because it's about the personal stories basically behind the mm. whole thing, and it's beautifully shot. And it, it got me thinking that the Americans really know how to how to film sports so much better than we do. We stick some cameras sort of up in the gantry, maybe a few down by the pitch side now, yeah, don't we? Yeah, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all about the live experience of it. Whereas and both me and you are big NFL fans as well. They've got this sort of they've got cameras there who are almost shooting um, like doc, not well. It is documentary, but make it look so much more beautiful than it does like when you're just normally watching it from a sideline. Um, so there's incredible footage, um, and lots of it n- not seen before. It's, it is an absolutely stunning piece of work. And I know a few people said, well, Jordan sort of had the yes or no about some of this footage being used. I mean, yeah, I, obviously Michael Jordan is a, you know, he's a wonderful athlete, but I think quite a difficult character. And I think he sort of, mm. um, s- sort of sat on a lot of this footage for a very long time, but he doesn't come out of it smelling the roses by any means. You know, he's accused of potentially at times being a bully and things like that. Um, so it's it, it, that difficult relationship that he has um, with the entire rest of the world, to be honest, well, still trying yeah, to be I this Yeah, I mean, super- his own teammates, his, the, yeah. the, the, the people, you know, the Chicago Bulls, um, it's, it, it is it is incredible, isn't it? Um, I very is, very much recommend it. Very much recommend it. It's very it's very good fun. On in my ears, I've had a lot of uh, Spaceman Three and Spiritualized for the last uh, very good for the last week or so. Are you a fan? I'm a big fan of Spiritualized. Less so Spaceman Three. Yeah, it's a bit more. It's uh, an interesting uh, exploration into how Spiritualized came about, isn't it? But um, it is, are yeah. some of their more some of their earlier sort of more. Um, sort of rocky stuff. I mean, there's, there's almost sort of bits of sort of stooges there. I guess at times in the early stuff is quite. It's not very. You know, I'm not putting it next to the stooge or anything like that. But it's it's interesting to listen. to I would certainly start with spiritualized. But their last album, yeah. which came out in '89, I think, which is what's it called? Pathway to Fire or something like that. I think is 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 good. Only problem with uh, Spaceman Three is I think because. Um, because the members of the band don't really get on, it's not actually on Spotify, so you've got to dig it out some some other way. Uh, but spiritualized, I don't think I've ever put a bad album out. No, and they've put not about put seven out. Album out. So even they the later stuff. A... Yes, that's right. It's really that's good. Right. So they are really good. I, I, I will say, I went to see Spiritualized a couple of years ago, and there is a there is a track on there. Their best-known album, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space, which is a fantastic album. It is, and it's a it's um it, it's a very beautiful um track in which he sings the um in which uh, uh, Jason Spaceman 
um, sings uh, the words of um, "I can't help falling in love with you," but he sings it. He sings it in a sort of a, a different, um, yeah, it's a, extraordinary. A, to a different tune. And um, I've always thought this about the way he sings that. And and on a later one of the later albums, there is a song who sounds even, which sounds even more like this. And I'm afraid he. he, he 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 has, he's, he sings these not only that but this tune on a later album which they played uh, when we went to see them but I'm afraid he sings he sings it to the tune of Grandad by Clive Dunn <laughs> um, and once you and once you oh, and once you've heard it you can't unhear it and once you um, and and so every time I hear uh, that new track and the newer track and the beautiful um, uh, can't help falling in love on, on the spiritualized. Uh, uh, floating in space album. I always think of Grandad and Clive Dunn. Well, if you um, haven't if you haven't heard of Spiritualized uh, or, or heard any of their stuff, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space, which is their nineteen ninety seven album. Um, yeah, is superb. And the track that you mentioned is actually the opening track, which is, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. Um, and yeah. it is a, it is an extra. And when the the choir sort of take over from him. Um, and there's a few later recordings of that song which are worth digging out if you can get your hands on them. Um, it, and and it is it is absolutely extraordinary. And it and a very it's, I mean people call it space rock. It's almost like sort of it's almost like got space gospel rock really. I think isn't it? I think that's probably the way to describe it. But an excellent band. It, it, check them out beautiful. if you haven't. Check them out if you haven't. Really super. It's really it's really beautiful. It's got one of the the, the opening run of the, the first three tracks of you up with the first three tracks on any album um i want a big up uh three things i want a big up a book which is called have a bleeding guess and it is by a guy called paul hanley and paul hanley was one of the two drummers of the fall and have a bleeding guess is about the making of the fall's greatest album which is uh called hex induction hour i think it came out in 1981 uh, it came out, um, you know, a great was, time for me. I was I was fourteen then, and I, was I was absolutely blown away by it. I, I'm I'm also I'm I'm not a fan of the fall like you are, but I am I'm a sort of um, because it's just such a body of work. You know, you can get almost. You, I think if you didn't grow up with it, it's it's you know I, I think there's about fifteen or sixteen fall tracks that I absolutely adore. Um, and I, and I, I'm not sure I've yet had time in my life to go back and listen to the the whole body of work because it's extraordinary, isn't it? And it's certainly not, in my opinion, all as good as maybe those 15 or 16 no. tracks. But um, but is that what was Mark Riley in the band during that period? Mark, I get so confused by who's in the band and who wasn't. Yeah, it was the um, it was actually it came out in 1982. So I was I was 14. Um, it was recorded in 1981, and it was. I think that was the end of um, that was the end of Mark Riley, basically. Um, I think he was he sacked was, on tour, wasn't he? Wasn't he sacked in Australia or something like that? I think they were on. Tour. Well, I think they had a, they had a falling out then, a much a, a, a much discussed fall. Well, I think they actually had a punch up on a on a in a in a disco. Um, <laughs> but um, that's but, yeah, so very um, that's so very Marky e. Smith, isn't it? But a punch fun, up in a, a disco. A, a, a fantastic album, and this is a really funny and um, uh, and sad, and you know it gives you. Uh, Paul Hanley's got an incredible recall of, of all of these things, and once again, you know, Marky Smith died a couple of years back, and um, you, you are reminded that he was a, a, an awkward character, but clearly, you know, a, a genius. 
um, in many ways. Uh, another awkward character who is a genius is Miles Davis. There is a fantastic documentary film called Birth of the Cool. It's on iPlayer. I think it's only on there for for a couple more months. Um, it is Miles Davis's story told in his own words. It's somebody. Um, uh, it's somebody who sounds very much like Miles Davis who had an incredible raspy voice for reasons that you find out during the film um, and he's, this guy is reading out selections of old um, interviews and Miles's uh, autobiography um, over some beautiful archive footage and photographs and you know the most amazing music if you never really got into Miles Davis um, take two hours out to, to do this and if you like Miles Davis anyway there will be uh, well there are, there are you know there are some of my favourite recordings in there and there are some photographs and bits of film that I've not seen before well, that sounds really that good. I didn't really know before it's great it's there's a really the cool. the, the, I, I play I love I play but I, I mean um, there's a really good I don't know if you've seen it there's a really good Basquiat uh, documentary on on, um, on iPlayer as well, um, and I'm no I'm no huge fan, and I think probably I mean I appreciate the skill of the gentleman, but I think because he's been so he's almost been claimed as this sort of you know it, because he died so very young, of course, so tragically, um, it's a little bit like um, you know twelve year olds wearing Nirvana t shirts from they bought from Topshop sort of thing. I think the art world has sort of claimed him as this thing that he probably wasn't, but the documentary is fantastic and. It, it really focuses on one of my heroes, Andy Warhol's uh, involvement in in the sort of later period of uh, Jean Michel's life. So really, inter- really interesting. I would I would recommend that as well. And I'll tell you what I've been listening to, and this is this is great. And I, I really like dry. There's, there's a band called Cavern of Antimatter. They they involve Tim Gain, who was the guitarist of, of Stereo Lab, and. A couple of years ago, they did the soundtrack to a movie called In Fabric, which, um, which I, I mean, I've I sort of stopped watching horror films. It is a sort of a, a well, it's, is it a comedic horror? I don't know. It's about a sort of cursed dress uh, and the effect <laughs> that it has um, on a woman. Uh, it's okay. a British film. It's very good. Cavern um, of Antimatter have done the soundtrack. They usually do this sort of long, they do very long tracks. It's kind of, you know, got a kind of German motoric um, kraut rock beat to mm, them. Okay, they're, I guess good. they're a kraut rock band. This is much shorter pieces because it's from a film score, shorter, more melodic. It's really good. And if you are as pretentious as me, you will enjoy just reading the titles alone. Uh, and they are include an ambiguous shop floor manoeuvre. <laughs> That's one. Uh, a transmission mounting bolt is another one. Uh, January upon Thames. Uh, is another one and then my favourite is Terminal Wigwag brackets bananas close brackets so check it out it's the In Fabric uh, OST by Cabin of Antimatter okay good I'll tell you what we, I'll tell you what we're going to do I'm going to I'm just going to do a bit of freelancing now and I'm going to say we're going to break here and we'll ask the readers to do their homework oh yeah on the other side of this <laughs> Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back, uh, Steve. Right, first, we will we'll get to Brexiteer of the week. I know, I know, pretty much anyone who's listened this far, it's because Brexiteer is your favourite mate. Um, unless you're asleep, wake up, wake up. Um, but um, but so we will get to that. Don't you worry. Uh, and uh, but we wanted to sort of reach out to the listener, didn't we, Steve? About some some ideas that have been we've been knocking about for a good few months. Really, it's not it's not a new thing. Um, it's not because we're all sat home twiddling our thumbs. Um, we've been 
we've been discussing maybe having a little spin-off of the new yeah. European podcast, haven't we? And we've well, people worked have, up well, some people ideas. Have said, why don't you do a spin-off? Because people amazingly seem to like this one. And then we're thinking, well, we could do a spin-off podcast or we could do some podcast specials. Um, And we've got a few ideas, and we want to basically ask you what you think of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've got. I'm going to. I'm going to. So you run through ideas, and then we're going to, and then we'll open it up to you as well. Um, And And I guess just tap us up on social media and um, and tell us what you think. I think think. we'll do a little poll on social, um, and um, and and then we'll we'll sort of circle back and, and we'll think about it, and then something will be done. Um, but the first idea is um, a political film club. So this would be a standalone podcast or some special editions of this podcast. We would uh, watch a film. Yeah. We would talk about that film uh, with special guests. Um, we could all watch the film together, of course. Yeah. You know? We could... Um, uh, watching party. Uh, I, I, exactly, a watching party. I really enjoy um, podcasts where uh, people watch films um, and then talk about what they found. Um, if you've not come across many of those, I'm sure you have. Uh, Smirsh Pod is great, which is about James Bond yeah. films and action films. Also, How how Did This Get Made, which is about uh, great film flops. Uh, it's an American podcast. It's really funny. So the political film club, but we were talking about things like, you know, um, election, we'd be talking about the Iron Lady, we'd be talking about all the president's men. Oh, that's a film. Ross Nixon, I guess. We could talk about In the Loop. We might even throw it over and talk, throw it open and talk about some TV shows to the thick of it and yeah, yeah. Uh, House of Cards and, and, and a very British coup and stuff like that. So, a political film club. Like it. Then what's what's number two? Have you got? Oh wait a minute! I'm not sure. I've got. I haven't got them in front of me. <laughs> oh okay. Well, number two. Number two would be um, uh, the working title would be Scandalgate. We would look back on great political and maybe some pseudo political scandals. We would explore them. We would have a studio guest. We would pick over them. We would put them in context and say, really, how scandalous uh, were they? Um, yeah. And um, we'd have some hilarious reenactments, I think. Uh, okay, I am three, not. I am not. Um, I am not dressing up in David Miller's Chelsea. Uh, well, I know. Yeah, so. you don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe the gimp mask. No, no <laughs> let's not do that one. Uh, uh, number three, we're calling number ten out of ten. We would go back. We would we would we would take a, a sideways look through the letterbox of Downing Street. I think <laughs> is, is what we would do. We would go back. We would dig up all the funniest stories and weirdest facts we could find about Britain's prime ministers. We would say, were they actually any good at the job? Um, and uh, again, we would have studio guests. We would talk about Britain's prime ministers. Um, I mean, look, we we we, we can um, we, we all know what's uh, what we think of the last couple, um, but we would uh, we would go back um, into the 20th century and beyond uh, to talk about British prime ministers uh, and how they rate. And then we haven't really got a fourth idea, um, but we would like to talk about you know other 
stuff that we rumble about on this podcast. Um, yeah. and so, so, so you give us your ideas, basically. Something and it doesn't have to involve politics or Europe at all. Well, I think that's um, the, that's probably the issue for for number four, isn't it? I, do, is there something? You know, we. I think you all, as listeners to the podcast, know the sort of stuff that that we're interested in. You know, maybe we find a theme and pick an element of that theme and do do podcasts around that. And we, I think we'd really like you guys to be heavily involved in that. So if that element of this podcast is something that you enjoy, then you know, maybe it doesn't have to be a political podcast. I mean, the fact that we both, you know, in 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 some ways work in the political sphere. I imagine politics will come into it every now and then. It won't be a banned topic, but you know, I think this sort of cult sort of yeah, I think the sort of culture of the of of our lifespans would be interesting and what it's meant and what impact it's had. So you know, something along those lines, T V, film, music, that kind of thing. Or great figures, you know, people heroes and villains. I don't know, something along those lines. The the first three I all really like and I think um, you know, I think there, there, prob- there probably won't be winners and losers here um, because I think most of these are going to get made if they're only, you know, a, a sort of specials over a four-week period or something. You know, maybe we can, maybe we should look at doing four prime ministers or whatever over over yeah. the summer holidays, and you can save them up and take them on your summer holidays when you go off to the beach. Ah, uh, no. When you go to your garden, no. <laughs> you know, but maybe so, well, you know. People, I, so I think people these, are still going to the beach. Well, they are indeed. Um, so you know, the, maybe during recess when we have perhaps a little bit less to speak about, maybe not this year, um, we could do some of those some of those specials as well. I'd certainly like to do some reenactments. I think that would be very fun, and it also gets gives me the opportunity to do my accents, which yeah. I know a lot of people out there are big fans of my accent work. So. Um, so anyway, let us know what you think. You might not want us to do anything else, um, which would be slightly odd that you would listen to this podcast and not want us to do anything else. But nonetheless, um, we probably will be doing something else, I think, is the answer, Steve, isn't it? We will. Right then, um, let's take these quiz answers and then let's crown a Brexit Tier of the Week. Exactly, because time marches on, doesn't it? So we, uh, I think you five questions about people being thrown out or being threatening uh, to be thrown out of the House of Commons. Number one... In 2005, Dennis Skinner was thrown out of the Commons for saying the only thing growing under the Tories in the 1980s was what? Uh, that was um, this is quite a, this is quite a famous one and a very funny one. That was. Uh, can you do it in his accent? No, no, I don't think I can. Um, it was I can't remember the exact quote, but I think he I think it was cocaine, and he was making a he, he was he, he was alluding to an allegation against the um, what would be the uh, a future chancellor. And now newspaper right. editor that had been made in, I think, um, I think it would have probably been the Mirror or the Sunday Mirror. I'm not entirely sure. Unproven but, um, allegation. Yes, I un- think we absolutely say. unproven allegation towards George Osborne. Yes. yes, the only thing growing under the Tories in the 1980s was the piles of cocaine under uh, Blank's nose. I think he said. Um, Number two, in 1992, he was also thrown out of the House of Commons for calling John Selwyn Gummer what? Uh, and I gave you the cat on Thatcher's broom, the boil on Thatcher's bum, or the wall on Thatcher's nose. Well, I, th- this is a guess, um, but there is somewhere I've I'd, I have heard this story before, and so and I think actually I was telling you before we started recording, I saw Dennis Skinner speak, and I remember him telling the story. So it's an educated guess, and I'm going to go with Thatcher's nose. It's the war on Thatcher's nose. That is correct. 
Uh, when Benjamin Disraeli was asked to withdraw his allegation that half the cabinet are asses, what did he say in reply? Oh, this is one of my all-time favourite quotes in the House of Commons. Or beyond. I'm a fan of... Uh, I think Disraeli's very quotable anyway, but this is brilliant. He said... Um, I think he, I, I won't be getting this exactly right, but he said, I, I, I withdraw half of the cabinet are not asses. That is correct. <laughs> and I don't really know very much about Benjamin Disraeli, and that's you know one of the reasons that we, maybe we should do the, uh, yeah, the specials on, that'd on be Prime really Minister. Cool. He's very quotable. I've, I, I, my, some of my favourite Disraeli quotes are like, um, uh, where knowledge ends, religion begins. That's a good one. Um, Brilliant. My favourite one is <laughs> the fool wonders, the wise man asks, and I often repeat That's that to great. my children who think I'm an idiot. But uh, nonetheless, great. but you know the one. Uh, oft, uh, people often say that lies, damn lies, and statistics was a Disraeli quote. It wasn't. Um, we don't know who said that initially, um, and in fact, um, I think that I think it was popular. I, I studied Twain a little bit, and I think Twain popularised it in the states. But for some reason, it's been attributed to um, to Disraeli, and it's not him. It's a bit like I, th- I don't think that Church. Often people say that Churchill said golf is a good walk spoiled, or Oscar Wilde did, or something, and it all gets a bit George muddled. Wayne said that, yeah, doesn't it? Because, and also, people often say that um, talent borrows, genius steals. Uh, there's a, a long argument about whether it was Picasso who said that, or whether it was. Oscar Wilde, and actually Picasso did say it. He said a version of it, but he must have been quoting Oscar Wilde. So you right. know, we can argue about quotes, but anyway, Disraeli did not say lies, damn lies, and statistics. Just a little fact that I picked up from a book that I read about Disraeli. There you go. Well, more to come. Uh, what links John McDonnell, Michael Heseltine, Ron Brown, and Lloyd Russell Moyle? Quite an easy one, this I think. Do you uh, right? This is the one I haven't got. Um, I don't know enough about the latter two MPs that were mentioned there. So Hesseltine and... Uh, ah, they all grabbed the mace. They've all been thrown out of the House of Commons for messing about with the mace. Yes! Some of them have sort of moved it on the table. Yes! Uh, Michael Hesseltine in the sort of the, 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 the dog end of the, the James Callaghan administration. Well, he, he waved it round his head. Well, he sort of picked it up and, and moved towards the the, the yeah. loom. He waved, waved it towards the sort of front bench. No, no cameras, sadly, in those days. So he, know, it was never I picked know. up on camera. I would have loved to have so seen Hesseltine with his incredible hair um, uh, waving the mace around. That would have been fantastic. Lloyd Russell Moyle, I mean, did it yeah, recently. relatively recently, That's didn't right. he? Yeah, um, he did. He, he I just did. looked like um, a bit of a wally, frankly, didn't he, for doing so, it? So you're on for five out of five. Wow, here. I am. And oh, I'm so and pleased that I've got it, that. And to steal it, in 1984, Dennis Skinner was what? asked to withdraw the phrase pompous sod, which he'd used about David yeah. Owen, or be thrown out of the House of Commons. What happened next? Well, I think I know this. I think I know this. So I think I'm on for five out of five, and two of them have been guesses. Um, so I, I did, he, withdrew, he did withdraw, but only the word pompous. That's correct. Yes! And he was thrown out. So five out of five. Is that the first time I've got full score? I think it is. That's the first time you've got a full uh, a full house. Congratulations. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, oh, I'm really pleased. That is good. Shall we uh, talk about the Brexiteers of the week very quickly? We definitely um, need to And then we can return to um, our, uh, our business. Thank you for listening. Uh, Brexiteers of the week then. Um, Olivia Utley. 
I've been unaware of Olivia Utley's work, but apparently she is the Sun's head of PR, which is a tough gig, I would say, being mm. the Sun's head of PR. Occasionally, they they they, um, they let her write a column. Right. Um, there was <laughs> the wonderful words, Rod Liddle is away. Oh, yes, of course, uh, um, I saw this. Appeared, appeared the other week, and Olivia Utley has, um, has stepped in, and the, the headline on her piece, uh, I spotted this straight away. The headline said, "It'll do our spoiled young remainers good to remain in Britain for the summer holidays." And she uh, droned on Olivia Rutley about how metropolitan millennials and ardent young remainers uh, who see the EU as the saviour to what they think is a backwards, grisly country. Uh, how it's brilliant that they're not going to go abroad this year. And she said. Um, they will be surprised and impressed with what they find behind, beyond the confines of the M25. They might just begin to feel the first stirrings of patriotism. Uh, now, Olivia Utley is herself a metropolitan millennial. She lives in London. She's of millennial age. Um, she suggested that these young wasters were going to have their eyes open by travelling around the country. She, where, where, where do you think they, they should go? Uh, she said they could try mini-breaking in Manchester. And, of course, if they go mini-breaking in Manchester, what they'll find is a load of other people who voted Remain because Manchester was 60.4% yeah. Remain. I think she's um, thought about onomatopoeia before she's thought about what it actually means. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, uh, and she... Um, obviously, people then started digging up old tweets by um, Olivia Rutley, and you'll be unsurprised to hear that the first one that somebody found was uh, was from last summer, where she said, uh, "I've just uh, done Question Time or some political thing, and now I'm off for my two week holiday in France." Yeah. Um, so uh, Olivia Rutley, and of course, um, I, I don't I, I don't mean onomatopoeia. I mean alliteration, don't I? Alliteration. That's yes, what I, I mean. Mini breaking in Manchester, not onomatopoeia. Mini breaking in Manchester. Yeah. Yes, alliteration. Yeah, uh, on a onomatopoeia. Um, it's a lovely word, isn't it, onomatopoeia? Well, my first word was uh, onomatopoeic. Well, that's brilliant. That's very good. It, it was TikTok. Um, it's usually mum or dad, isn't it, it was, for most people? It was TikTok. You see what I've done there? You see that little gag? That's good. Yeah. Ah, that's very good. Yeah. What's yeah. the Kid Carole and the Coconut song where they, in the background, is it Annie, I'm Not Your Daddy? And they, they are singing... Uh, in the background, the coconuts are singing "Honor, Honor, Honor, Matapia, Honor, Honor." Very <laughs> <don't> good. <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, uh, Richard Tice is one of the Brexiteers of the week. Ah. He uh, has called for a new "Buy British" campaign. Um, I don't know if people are old enough to remember the old "Buy British" campaign, but that sort of happened in the. Uh, I think that was before we we sort of entered into the the uh, the EEC um, where people were urged to buy shoddy British goods that weren't as good as everybody else's goods. Um, he said that the new broad British campaign will be a glorious flowering of the make it happen spirit that transforms productivity and boosts pride in, pride in our nation. Oh, that sounds good to me. And he also said it will be an incredible blossoming of bulbous talents and colourful ideas. And that sounds like he doesn't know what bulbous means <laughs> to me. Um, mm. And then I thought well, you know, the Buy British campaign is all very well, isn't it? But when the Brexit Party launched its own merchandise in last October, um, an investigation, I think it was by the Daily Mirror, I think it was by, um, what's he called? Oh, what's he called? Mikey? Mikey Smith from the Daily Mirror. Yeah. Um, and he looked into, he bought lots of Brexit Party merchandise, poor Mikey, and he found out that the baseball caps were made in China, 
um, and the hoodies were manufactured in Bangladesh. So uh, pretty bulbous, I would say. Very bulbous. Uh, Claire Fox. We've not made fun of Claire Fox for a while. No. Uh, there can't be many members of the Re- ex-members of the Revolutionary Communist Party who are sad about the news that Harry's Bar in Venice, which is a big old tourist trap, uh, may be about to close for good. Claire Fox, who was a Marxist, then she was a libertarian. She was on every panel show going, oh, I'm worried about what this means to free speech. Uh, and then she was briefly a Brexit Party MEP. Um, and she uh, she saw that Harry's Bar in Venice was going to close, and she said, this news has depressed me more than it ought to. It somehow symbolises all that we might lose, the aspiration for travel, for new experience. We just can't lose it. And imagine how upset Claire Fox would be when she finds out that not only did we once have the right to buy a £20 Bellini in uh, Harry's Bar in Venice, because that's what it cost, but <laughs> until recently, we actually had the right to live and work in Venice yeah. without any bother at all. She could have gone She could have gone around Harry's every evening after work. She could have done, yeah, amazing, yeah. Uh, but the Brexiteers of the week are the Taxpayers' Alliance. Now, I, I thought the Taxpayers' Alliance had, had disappeared altogether because... Who, who was our favourite from the Taxpayers' Alliance to Chloe, turn up on TV? Uh, it was lovely, lovely Chloe, Wesley. Chloe Wesley. And her poetic um, interludes. The, um, the, 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 the Brexity poetess. She always used to turn up, didn't she, saying the Taxpayers' Alliance. Yeah. And she would say, Brexit's great because we'll take back control of our laws, our borders and our money. She's working in government now, isn't she? But she's now she's now the social media advisor yeah. to, to, to number ten. She's a yeah. special advisor. She's a spare. Um, the Taxpayers Alliance, which of course I think it was well, I don't know whether he set it up, but Matthew Elliott, who was the chairman of Vote Leave, was part of the the, um, the Taxpayers Alliance. It's it mysteriously yeah. funded, isn't it? It's a think tank, a right wing think tank. And uh, you don't really know where the money's coming from. They say that it's a lot of small donations by people, um, and um, other people think that it's uh, rather larger donations by a small number of people, plus some small donations by other people. Anyway, they're not telling us who any of the people are. Um, they're back, 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 though, and they have launched a new social media campaign. It's intended to heap some pressure on Sadiq Khan and the body that runs London Transport, and it said. And this is an actual thing. They put out a social media campaign and it said, why is it the case that despite having an annual budget of $9.7 billion, TfL, Transport for London, has had to seek a billion pound bailout just to keep the trains running? And, you know, I just can't think of a single reason why TfL should be running short of money at the moment. Can, can you think of one? No. It's a real stumper, isn't it? I mean, it you know, they, they're taking billions of pounds all the time because all the commuters use the tube in London to get to work and go out to all the sort of night spots in London. What kind of changed? Mm, anyway, I mean, it's very odd and, and hopefully they will soon find the answer and they'll move on to trickier problems like, why is my local Starbucks always closed and the local pub at the end of the road every time I turn up there, you know, no matter what day it is or what time of the night it is, even the Nando's down the road is closed and, and then they can do, um, and why is the arches all repeats now and, and why are there so few people on the streets and, and all of that? So the Taxpayers Alliance are idiots and they're the Brexiteers of the week. Congratulations to the Taxpayers Alliance. Um, I think that's the first time a Taxpayers Alliance has ever been... Uh, Brexiteers, collective Brexiteers of the week. A collective, so, con- yeah, yeah. So congratulations to to them. Um, Steve, what should the listener do right now? Go to your podcatcher of choice, 
get a Teams meeting from someone. In the Tim Heenan, that is. <laughs> Do you know what? There's an ad- there's an advert for Teams on TV, and every time that blinking bleep comes on, I dash up and try and find my laptop. Steve, what should the listener do right now? Leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. That would be great. Please uh, do tell us what kind of spin-off uh, or special episodes you would like to do. Uh, we will put a poll up on social about that. You can go to Facebook, join the New European uh, Readers Group. Please subscribe to the New European. Go to the neweuropean.co.uk. Buy the uh, print edition if you see it in the shops. But if you can't get out at the moment, subscribe to the print edition. You get 13 issues for 13 quid if you're a new subscriber. And you can follow the New European on Twitter, at the New European. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me, at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. Right, you can get back to that Teams meeting now, Steve. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It absolutely means the world to us. If you haven't already, go and buy the printed product. It's £3. It is in your newsagents now. Or if you can't get to newsagents, check out how you might be able to subscribe. It's full of politics, full of Brexit, full of coronavirus. Um, but also there is a lovely respite of uh, lots of arts and culture as well. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, please do the honours. Here you go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.